the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, December the 3rd, 2022. It's the Christmas holidays, my friends. And uh, I hope you're getting into it. I'm beginning to. I, I decorated the house uh, this past week, uh, right after Thanksgiving, of course. And uh, I started to get really, really into it. I've been listening to uh, Christmas carols. And, um, well, you know, I, I really love this time, time of the season. It really, it, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, I think my the, the two best holidays in my life are... Uh, the 4th of July, because I love my country, and Christmas, because, well, because I love the Lord. <laughs> I really celebrate his birth. Um, at any rate, so welcome to the show, my friends. Let me tell you who we've got. Uh, we've got a packed show, as usual, for you. Uh, first of all, we've got our first guest is going to be Mr. Mark Durazio. Mark is a newly elected state representative here in the state of Texas uh, for District 122. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about um, the uh, priorities that the state legislature is going to be dealing with. Mark ran on a uh, on a campaign of addressing the issue of uh, the border, uh, which uh, is the hot topic of our show. And uh, we're going to hear from Mark as to uh, what he plans and what he hopes to see in the state legislature this coming uh, year. Um, secondly is uh, a very special lady, a very good friend of mine, Miss Esther Chapoy. Esther is the newly elected county clerk uh, from Valverde County, which is Del Rio, which is right on the border. And um, she is one of the few Republicans that got elected in uh, in the um, uh, along the border, my friends. We anticipated a big red wave that did not materialize. However, she at the county level, did win. And I believe that she was one of the few, if not the only, uh, Republican to win uh, in uh, in Valverde County. So we're going to hear from her. We are uh, Our third guest is going to be Mr. Randy Clark. Randy is a news reporter for Breitbart. Uh, he is on the border. He's going to be chatting as to what, um, give us an update of what's happening at the border uh, from his perspective, as far as a, a um, uh, the news goes, our final guest is Mr. Matt Cody. Matt is president of the uh, Texas Oil and Gas Workers Association, and Matt is going to be chatting about uh, the ridiculousness of the uh, Biden administration in their oil and gas policy that. Um, they have embarked on this past week. I mean, it, it goes from the crazy to the surreal to the stupidity, and Matt's going to be chatting about that. So, friends, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Call your friends. Anyone who is interested in hearing this program uh, can not only listen to it, obviously, uh, firsthand, but also uh, can send us an email or can go to the um, to the website and listen to it. So, uh, folks, um Without further ado, let's go to our first guest. Welcome to all of you. Let's go to our first guest, Mr. Uh, State Representative Mark Durazio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, a new guest with us. He is newly elected uh, to the State House of Representatives here in Texas. Uh, Mr. Mark Durazio. Now, Mark is an old friend. I've known him uh, at least almost uh, eight years. Uh, we used to do breakfast 
with a group together. And um, Mark has been victorious in his run for state house. And one of the things that he ran on was the issue of uh, surprise, surprise, the border, the border. So I wanted to get him on and chat with him about what he is looking for uh, with the state legislature this coming uh, session. Uh, here in Texas, we feel it's going to be very, very hot because, well, we were anticipating winning. Uh, many conservatives were anticipating winning the uh, House and the Senate in D.C. and hopefully curtailing or doing something about the border crisis, not to mention a few other things. But, um, well, since we're looking at a situation where the federal government is not going to do anything about what is going on, Mark, welcome to the show. Congratulations, buddy. George, I appreciate I appreciate that very much. It's been it's been quite the race, and and the uh, the conservative voices of the district uh, prevailed, and they heard. So I'm I'm also grateful to each and every one of the voters who had confidence in me to to vote for me in this election. Excellent. So I appreciate that. Thank you, George. You got it, buddy. So let's talk. Um, <clears throat> we've got a border crisis that uh, it it just doesn't seem to go away. In fact, it's getting worse, and. Um, We've got uh, a uh, federal government that doesn't seem to want to lift a finger to uh, help us. Um, now that you're going to be in the state house, in the state uh, legislature, what are you looking for as far as the state legislature and um, uh, the state uh, addressing this issue? Well, the state definitely, ha- we definitely have to address this issue, and that's going to be one of the first issues that we start pushing and talking to the other other legislators. Or uh, my my numbers are so far since Biden has been in office, there's been over five million people that have come across the border, and when you take that 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 type of invasion, the only thing we're going to be able to repel it is this is an invasion, and then Texas is going to need to take the responsibility and and seal that border by whatever means necessary. And and I I would have not believed this until until I experienced it firsthand myself. I was flying out of San Antonio, and there were all these buses showed up, the border patrol showed up, the police department showed up, and then they started ushering all these people off the buses into a into a central area at the airport. And and so I was wondering what in the world is this? And so I went and talked to I went and talked to one of the. Uh, people that I saw over there and he said to me this this is an everyday occurrence these are the illegal aliens that are brought up they put in American clothes they give them a ticket and every day they fly them all over the United States and so we know we know by what they're doing is they're going to be registering to vote and in the future they're going to be they're going to be voting and so we have to stop this because people aren't going to take and not going to have many more confidence in our elections if this keeps going on. So, so we, we have to, we have to seal the border. We have to allow for legal immigration, but th- we're just, we're just getting overrun. And Texas is going to have to step up and do it because Washington DC is not doing it. Yeah. One of the uh, situations uh, that, um, that we're seeing here in, uh, and I live right next door to your district. Uh, is that we're seeing in our in our school districts uh, are the number of uh, illegal alien children that are being registered. Um, and uh, again, uh, historically we have heard about how illegal aliens pay taxes. Well, these folks just arrived, so they haven't paid anything. Usually, usually whenever whenever you start dealing with youth ministries and that sort of thing, you you it's a front end type. It's a front-end type expenditure. However, we have to look out for our own citizens first. First Texas and then the rest of the United States. The, there is over 500,000 illegal aliens in our schools. And if you take 500,000 and you multiply that by just the state's portion of the school operations and maintenance at $14,000 per student, and you're talking a lot of money. And so, and the school districts are, are, are already asking for more money and they're also advertising for more teachers. This teacher phenomena is all over the United States. So with a half a million illegal aliens in our schools, with our budgets that are stretched and, and, uh, we're looking for new funding. They're looking for new funding to do this. And we're going to have, we're going to have quite the, quite the challenge on our hands. We have to take a look at, 
we have to take a look at how to deal with these eagle aliens in our schools and pass laws to be able to take care of Texas first and then the rest of the and then the rest of the United States or the rest of the the people that come. You know, a, another issue that we're seeing is uh, is, is the crime uh, factor. Fentanyl. Besides the fentanyl coming in, um, there are uh, criminals, known criminals that have been intercepted. Who knows how many have not been intercepted? Uh, there's the issue of of, uh, of uh, cartel activity, um, and then on top of that, you've got uh, district attorneys like the one here in Bear County in San Antonio, funded by George Soros who uh, wants bail reform and uh, doesn't want to prosecute, you know, what he considers minor uh, crimes. You've got, you know, it seems like they're burning the candle at both ends of not prosecuting while leaving the door the, the door wide open for criminals. Oh, well, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. The, the, the majority, if not all of the illegal aliens coming across their border is cartel-driven. And they're paying anywhere from three to eight thousand dollars per head coming across. And not only are they are they uh, paying to come across, they're also bringing drugs with them. And one of the last seminars that I was at, they said that there's so many of them that the cartels purposely let get caught for for smuggling. So we don't really know how much fentanyl is being brought in and and how deep the extension of that is. I once I get in the legislature, I think my eyes are going to be open to to a lot of this a lot of the uh, acts that are really going on because we we don't I don't have access to the information, all the information to make a good decision, but from what I'm seeing it's it's pretty bad, and so uh, we, we're, we're going to need to stop it. We do, we need to stop this invasion, and we're going to need to start dealing with the cartels. And that's the only way we're going to protect our country. Now, uh, in in a very uh, gosh hot potato question for you, do you think that this uh, legislature, this state legislature, is going to have the will uh, and and uh, to to deal with these hot issues? Because a lot of folks in the past have, have been very very disappointed with uh, the leadership in the in. In, in the house in particular uh, that's that's another good question george i, I it's, it's not it's not the wheel we're going to have to do it because right now and i was talking to the comptroller and illegal illegal immigration illegal aliens are now in all 50 states i was at a seminar here last week and we had a we had a contingent from uh, Georgia come and talk to me and say, "Hey, what can we what can we do to help Texas <clears throat> stop this illegal this illegal these illegal aliens from coming across?" <clears throat> so, I mean, if we have to send money, or what can we do to help? Because now it's becoming a problem here in in Georgia, and and it is uh, we, we are going to have to do it. We're going to have to push for it and push hard. So the, the freshmen coming in are willing to deal with it, and and. Uh, the governor, we have to push on the governor and start passing resolutions and then uh, appropriating money to secure it. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that I know how to do. There'll be other great ideas that'll come up, and we'll definitely take a look at them. But right now is the time. We don't we don't have another election after this unless we deal with these problems now. Now's the time to do it. You got it. I mean, the uh, t- Texas uh, did turn redder. There are more Republicans in elected office throughout the state. Uh, hopefully that will transfer, translate into something, uh, some some real strong action to to uh, to address these problems that we've got. Yeah, that's true. We we did a in 2018. Uh, I read a survey. It's the uh, Cruz O'Rourke race. It was 50.4 percent, five zero point four, and those are the numbers that I remember that of the native Texans voted for Beto O'Rourke. Wow, fifty-seven point three percent of the of the people that have moved to Texas voted for Ted Cruz, <laughs> and there was Ted, Ted Cruz only run by what a couple of percent yep. back then. Right. And as and as we walk, as we were talking to the different folks that are coming in, uh, Texas is is a free state, and they're able they're able to have a load lifted off of their shoulders, and and they're able to move and 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 work and take care of their families and and they love it and uh and so 
and so that's uh, that's what we're that's what we're looking at. We have to do something because these folks coming in are, are conservatives. The majority of them are conservatives. Excellent, excellent. Well, my man, we will uh, let you go, but um, we will be looking forward to uh, getting you more on the show and and chatting to, with us about what is going on in uh, in Austin uh, with regards to uh, the hot issues of uh, of our time. Absolutely, George. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you're doing uh, because your 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 broadcast definitely does make a difference, and the information is accurate, and we can depend on it. So, I'm looking forward to using it again in the future. You got it. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with uh, with State Representative Elect uh, Mark DeRazio uh, out of District 20, 122 here in uh, here in Texas, which is um, right next door here in in San Antonio. Thanks a lot, Mark. Have a good day. Thank you, George. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Miss Esther Chapoy, from uh, Eagle Pass, or Del Rio, rather, from Del Rio, right on the border. And uh, Esther, I want to talk to her about two things. First of all, an incident with... Uh, illegal immigration that happened right next door to her house and also very exciting Esther won a countywide election as a Republican in Valverde County there and I think she's the first Republican to ever win that office so uh, we want to talk to her about it Esther thank you very much welcome to the show well thank you for having me again George it's good to talk to you again well listen first of all Tell us about this situation uh, with your neighbor. What happened? Okay. What she was just and I was just talking to her about it again this morning to get all of the details. And she said that uh, she was inside her house, uh, cleaning house, and she looked out the back window and she saw some movement in, in the creek that runs behind her house. And she she couldn't see very well and she got out closer and she saw that it was a man coming up out of the creek that San Felipe Creek it runs behind her house and she thought well he's going to just follow the creek and go away but no he climbed up out of the creek and was walking right to her back door and uh, she, her dog was outside but he was tied up um, well, he was in his, his kennel outside so she went outside and let the dog loose and she had uh, gone into the kitchen to get her her weapon and the man kept walking toward the house she kept hoping that he would walk away and she said he had a, a like a Walmart bag that he was carrying but he was all dressed in black and he was by himself which is very unusual because usually we see them in groups of three or five or a big bunches but this guy was walking by himself wow. and so she grabbed her phone and she called a neighbor and and the neighbor, you know, quickly called Border Patrol for her and the sheriff's office, and and um, she she had the dog on the leash now, and uh, the man kept motioning, "Don't let the dog loose!" Like she was, he was motioning with his hand, "No, not the dog, not the dog." And she thought, "Well, that was weird. He was more worried about the dog than he was about her weapon that she was holding." <laughs> <laughs> so she thought that was really strange. And uh, and and then uh, she kept telling him go go away. You know she, she didn't want to have a problem with him. She was telling him to go away, but he wouldn't move. He wouldn't go the other way. He kept coming toward her. And uh, and then the the sheriff's office and the border patrol showed up and and uh, they took him away. Wow. But it was it was a somewhat of a tense situation. Wow. Now these kind of situations happen a lot, right? In uh, in, well, in your county. Yeah, they're happening a lot, and and the weird thing is how they're happening now with with just one person at a time. Wow! Why is that happening? I don't know. Wow! Interesting. But, yeah, and and I told her I said, well, I think I'm going to have to be paying more attention because it used to be I was just looking for, you know, a, a big group of people. Now it's just one guy. Yeah. You know? But oh, and also when uh, when they took his jacket off, he had a jacket on, and underneath his jacket, he had a life preserver jacket on. No kidding. <laughs> I guess he didn't want to drown. <laughs> oh my gosh, this guy came prepared by himself, huh? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, you know, given the the chaos that goes on, that is going on in the border, uh, there was a lot of anticipation about a red wave that unfortunately didn't materialize in many ways. There were some uh, changes, but it didn't materialize like, like many had expected. Uh, however, you won, and you... Uh, are are the first Republican in that position ever in, in Val Verde County? Tell us why you think you know why why do you think you won? What what was it that you did different that got you a victory? Well, first of all, I'm not totally sure that I'm the first Republican, mm. but I think I very very well may be the first Republican as the Val Verde County Clerk. But, you know, to begin with, when when I decided to run, I was looking for somebody else to run for that office. And I couldn't get any, I couldn't convince anybody to, to do it. And I had prayed about it and prayed about it. I knew we needed somebody in there. And, and finally that morning when we needed to turn in a name, I said, okay, God, you haven't brought me the person. I don't, I don't know who's going to run. And then it came to me, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, and I thought, oh, well, okay, so I can't sleep till noon anymore because I'm retired. <laughs> so I'm going to have to start getting up and going to work. Okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And that's when I threw my, my name in the hat. And uh, I only have God to, to thank for that, really, honestly. I, I feel like it. I, all through the whole campaign, I kept saying, it's God's will, God's will be done, God's will be done, and God spoke. Now, the but, other person, the other person had money from, I mean, she outspent you, I guess. She was, yes. she was the incumbent. She had been in that position for how long? 16 years. 16 years. Oh, my gosh. So, after 16 years, I'm sure she had... Uh, a, a strong organization and and people that supported her, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Yes, but I, you know, I think something that helped me was Beto. Ah, tell us about that. Why, why do you think that? I think Beto helped me because I think Republicans were so scared that that was a possibility that Beto might become our governor that they came out in force. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all together, we have about 29,000 registered voters in Valverde County. And 9,000-something people came out and voted. That was, I think it was 32% of registered voters came out to vote. Wow. That tells you something. Yep, yep, yep. There must be, and so there there must be an have... issue. There must be issues or an issue that they care about. <laughs> That's right. And one of them being the border. But But the thing <laughs> is that there may not have been a statewide red wave. There was a red wave, I think, in Del Rio. Aha. Uh -huh. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. So did so were there other Republican victories in, in the county other than you? No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they came out, but uh, you were the only, gosh, I mean, I... I Congratulations! I can't say enough enough about it. I mean, th this is really, really exciting. So, uh, what uh, does your future look like? Other than now, you're going to be working and busy. I mean, uh, oh yeah. What is it? What is it that you're going to to uh, try to do or change? Well, I just want to bring a breath of fresh air to that office, and and I want for people to be comfortable when they come to work. I want them to come to work happy and leave happy, and I want I want for them to to know that uh, that I have their back, mm -hmm. you know, and that that they're going to be well trained and they're going to be able to do their jobs, and that um, they're going to be empowered. Now, what what's what's the position again? Tell the folks what. What your Valverde County Clerk. County Clerk. You and know, what does the county clerk do? When you want to get married, you come to the county clerk's office to get your license, your marriage license. Gotcha. When you buy a house and and you know there's deeds and deeds of trusts and notes, all the, that documentation comes to the county clerk's office and it gets recorded there. Gotcha. Once you pay it off, then you come in and you bring the proof of that and then all of that gets recorded too, so that when you want to sell it, you have proof that the house was paid for. Gotcha, 
Gotcha. So keeping all those records is very, very, is very, very critical for for them. Also, like if you if you have to probate a will, you know the probates are, uh-huh. are filed there too. Gotcha. Uh, I think uh, lots of veterans file their DD two fourteens also. Gotcha. With a Valverde County clerk or with your county clerk. Well, Esther, congratulations. We we are so proud of you. And, uh, you know, we'll be looking for you. We'll still be hopefully getting you on the radio show to talk about what's going on in your backyard and, or with your next door neighbors. Because uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to go away. <laughs> no, no. And, and keep me in your prayers because, uh, you know, I'm I'm walking into a, a situation where I'm sure there are a lot of people who wish the other incumbent had right. one. You know? Right. A lot of her friends are probably still there. Yes, yes, yes. You got it. Once again, my friends, we're talking with our good friend, Miss Esther Chapoy, the new Val Verde County uh, clerk-elect. When when will you be taking office? January 1st. January 1st. Congratulations. Thank you. And we will be getting you on the show again, uh, hopefully, uh, next year, in in next month. And we'll chat a little bit more about what's going on in your backyard with... uh, with the immigration issue, if possible. Alrighty? Sure, anytime. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, uh, Breitbart reporter. And uh, Randy uh, is right there at the border, right uh, down uh, Eagle Pass, Del Rio Way. And uh, I wanted to ask him, I wanted to get him on because uh, the uh, rumors, the stories are that uh, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people gathering on the other side of the river, on the Mexican side, ready to cross uh, Randy, well, as usual, welcome to the show. Give us an update. What is going on? What's fact? What's fiction? Well, I, I would like to say that we are, you know, in the calm before the storm of Title 42 ending, but there's nothing, you know, being controlled on this border right now. Uh, it's some of the busiest times we've ever seen. Uh, just a week ago, we were averaging three large groups per day. That's a group of 100 or or more. Uh three per day around Eagle Pass. Some of those groups as high as 400 in total. Uh, so that's what's going on on a daily basis right now. But I think the real story is what's going to happen in a few short weeks when Title 42 finally goes away. Uh, if there is not some kind of extension, <clears throat> we can expect an overwhelming surge that's not only going to impact the areas right along the border, but it's going to impact areas like where you're at in San Antonio. These these people are going to have to be shipped out as quickly as possible. The Border Patrol is still experiencing overcrowding in their processing centers. We know, like you mentioned, there are folks from different countries that are waited for a long time for 42 to end. Uh, we're hearing numbers of nearly 12,000 in the Rio Grande Valley that might include many Haitians that are waiting uh, and those folks are going to immediately surge the border Wow! they're not going to wait for the government to come up with an alternative program and my sources inside CBP say that's not happening anyway there is no search for an alternative or a plan B in other uh, words this is just going to be a complete disaster at the border now uh, speaking of the, the, C, the, the, the customs and border protection folks Specifically, the Border Patrol. I mean, we keep hearing from Mayorkas, from the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, that, uh, I mean, he keeps insisting that the border is secure. Um, Now, though, the complication is that uh, with the uh, changing of hands of uh, the House to Republican hands, uh, they're talking about, uh, well, impeaching him. Uh, what is what uh, what is the uh, mood of the uh, border patrol agents? Are they still as overwhelmed as we as as we have heard and seen in the past? 
They're absolutely overwhelmed. Uh, this morning, there were over 15,000 migrants in, in custody along the border, 4,000 in El Paso alone. So they are already at capacity, and they're just trying to keep up pace. Uh, but they realize, the ones that I'm talking to realize, that they're not going to be able to keep pace come December the 21st. It's just going to be trying the very best you can to release people into the United States to avoid more overcrowding and uh, what mechanism they're going to use, whether they're going to more widely apply just straight out parole or they're going to go back to a notice to report. That's what's up in the air is, is how quickly, but that's what they're exploring is how quickly can we release these people from our custody so that they can move into the interior and we avoid a catastrophe right at the immediate border area. So it's no wonder that Congress is looking to impeach him. Uh, there were mechanisms in place that allowed for speedy removal before Title 42 came. Title 42 was just to keep the contagion out of the United States. But there were a myriad of programs from HARP and PACER, Remain in Mexico, and asylum cooperative agreements that allowed the Border Patrol to quickly expel migrants and remove them to other countries to await asylum outside of the United States. And it served as a deterrent, so you didn't have the rush to the border. Joe Biden invited this rush. Mayorkas made it happen. So it, this is, you know, even when he says, well, it's a it's a problem across the hemisphere. Of course it is. They have to traverse the hemisphere to get to the invitation that Joe Biden put out. Wow. Now, the uh, regarding Title 42, Title 42, again, was a mechanism that that hopefully was stopping the entry of some disease of uh, of specifically COVID. However, uh, other diseases as well as criminals and terrorists are coming across. So the public safety of Americans is in jeopardy, and it's going to be even worse now, isn't it? Well, it's going to be worse, and, and, and what makes it worse is that the way they began to apply Title 42 was vastly different from the criticisms of the last, the last administration's application. The last administration started COVID and applied it as broadly as they could. In other words, any human crossing that border during a period of contagion or pandemic can be bringing the disease. This administration said, we will not apply it to children. <clears throat> we won't apply it to certain nationalities. And the latest move in October was to exclude Venezuelans using that. They used it as an immigration enforcement mechanism, believing that somebody would think that maybe only Venezuelans can transmit COVID, uh, which which we know is a ridiculous, preposterous thing. Uh, and the judge saw it that way and said, well, you're arbitrarily and capriciously applying this, so it has to end. So they undid themselves. But ironically, they wanted to do away with Title 42, you know, a long time ago. So they're fighting themselves it really, this whole border posture of enforcement under this administration is non-existent, and where it does exist, it makes no sense, and they're failing at it. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of the policy that uh, uh, you have to wear a mask in a, in a restaurant if you're standing up, but if you're sitting down, you can take it off. So I guess the, <laughs> I guess the contagion is not bad. It's bad only when you're standing up. <laughs> That's, it makes as much sense, and, and I think come December 21st, we're really going to see what the price, you know, the, the poor agents on the line are going to have to pay when trying to deal with just the overwhelming flood and uh, of people coming across the border. The danger is, you know, our weather is changing. Uh, if we have any rains down here on the border, it could prove absolutely catastrophic when it comes to migrant deaths as well. Uh, speaking of deaths, how many how many have there been in, in, uh, in this year? I mean, because I know that, uh, you know, I know that they've that we, we keep hearing about, you know, the large number of deaths. How many how many have that you know of in your sector? So, at least? you know, there, there was there was a time where we were averaging about one per day at Eagle Pass. Fortunately, we're seeing that number drop a little bit because we have, you know, not had those rainy spells. Uh, that's and, and of course, the heat is gone. So we're not seeing those heat-related deaths, and uh, we're not seeing the drownings that we were from a few months ago when we had a few periods of rain. But, but that can change. Like I say, that can change right away. All we need is just a few days of rain around here, and that river changes uh, drastically. 
What about uh, car chases? I mean, we're, uh, the, the people that are coming across right now and introducing themselves are a different group from the ones that are avoiding uh, being, well, being caught. As recent as a week ago, there were over 80 pursuits in the Del Rio sector in wow. a seven-day period. So that's 10. That's 10 smuggling cases on the highway, some of whom failed to yield, were apprehended by other local sheriff's departments, police departments, and our Texas DPS. Uh, that's a significant number of smuggling events in a one-week period. So like I say, this is not the calm before the storm. This is the absolute out-of-control border. It's about to get worse. Wow. It, it, it really... <clears throat> and, and there was a delegation of Republican uh, congressmen that went... Uh, that went to El Paso recently. Did you hear anything about what they saw or said? Well, I I know that, you know, Speaker McCarthy had, uh, I'm sorry, Minority Leader McCarthy had been down here before, so they're very familiar with the border. And what they ended up seeing was what they had seen before, only now they saw it in El Paso. Uh, El Paso was leading all of the sectors for the month of October. Which which is an anomaly. It's usually been traditionally Rio Grande Valley. Then it became Del Rio. El Paso eclipsed Del Rio last month for the first time in in any period that I can remember. So they're seeing they're seeing the the out of control nature in multiple areas uh, along the border. Uh, but we also had a delegation come down to Eagle Pass from Chicago, Illinois, and that obviously is is spurred by the buses that. Governor Greg Abbott is sending up there. <laughs> so, you know, kudos to the governor for making folks far north of the border understand that it is a problem for them as well. Wow. I, you know, <clears throat> this second phase of the, of the, of the border crisis of, of, of the uh, migrants coming into your community north of the, of the border, um, people need to wake up to that. They do. And they, and they need to remember that, that our suffering is temporary. You know, what, what our landowners are dealing with, it is a nightmare. And, and I don't want to discount that in any way, but it is transitory. This traffic is not coming to stay in Eagle Pass or Del Rio or McAllen or El Paso. It's coming to a city near you, yeah. uh, wherever you might be in the United States. It, it We just deal with it in, in a higher volume than maybe some other places will. But we see how expensive it is. New York Budget Office said they're going to spend $596 million next year on, on the migrants that have been bussed up there so far. Wow. And if they get another 10000 they're looking at spending another $240 million. Wow. At a time when people can barely afford gas and groceries, uh, this is going to tax the school systems. So there's going to be a significant price to pay for this open borders. And it may take us a while, but luckily we may get some insight come January. You got it, buddy. Thank you very, very much, folks. We've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart News. Uh, Randy, tell them where they can follow you and uh, and uh, read more uh, of your reports. They can follow me on, on Breitbart.com uh, under our world page, Cartel Chronicles, or at Randy Clark PBTX on Twitter. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got my good friend, Matt Cody, who is president of the uh, Texas Gas and Oil Workers Association. And uh, I wanted to get him on because we have uh, this situation that has uh, just uh, developed out of the White House, where Biden has um, done a deal with Venezuela, the uh, quasi-communist country, uh, has done a deal with Venezuela to um, allow for oil companies, American oil companies, to drill for oil there, thus creating more jobs. And um, in my book, I mean, no difference in the pollution that they're going to create versus uh, our pipeline that uh, they shut down. So I'm not sure. I, I just don't understand what, what is going on. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you looking at it as far as American jobs? I mean, the, the, we could be producing oil here with Americans, and instead, you know, he's paying uh, a dictator to, to produce oil. What are your thoughts? George, always good to be on with you. Uh, let's just go with one word, insane. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> that's all this administration's policies are, is insane. Uh, now, of course, in Venezuela, they produce a heavier crude, uh, more like that that's produced in Canada. 
Mm-hmm. And so when Biden canceled the final leg of the Keystone XL permit, um, uh, we could be getting our heavy crude from Canada. And when you look at it from an emissions standard, well, a barrel of oil produced in Venezuela actually produces more emissions than a barrel of oil produced in Canada. And so when you look at it from that, well, that doesn't make sense if you're trying to reduce emissions. But Biden supporters don't often hear that. I hear that uh, the representative in uh, San Antonio, Joaquin Castro, is praising the decision. Is that right? Oh, yeah. He has made the comment that... Um... Uh, it's uh, going to help uh, the uh, American uh, consumer because it's going to it's it's going to bring down uh, oil and gasoline prices. I'm not sure what really that means. weird, <laughs> uh, really weird um, that he would say that, and obviously disconnected from what the White House is saying because even the White House said that it's not likely to have any tangible effect on international oil prices. <laughs> Joaquin Castro apparently lives in fantasy land. Oh, yes. um, but that's what politicians do is they play to their base and hope that they never hear the facts. And the more Democrats hear the facts of what their elected representatives are telling them, the more they understand it's not true. And that doesn't make any sense. Uh, look, in Venezuela, you have that socialist dictator, Nicolas Maduro, who refused to leave office. You know, and now... Uh, Joe Biden is willing to let Chevron pump down there, but he wasn't willing to let Exxon pump out of Russia. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> true, that's true. And, and and I, you know, the other thing is that I don't understand. They criticize uh, anyone that pumps in in the United States because it pollutes the world. However, they don't say anything about these countries where you know. Uh, my, uh, what I have, from what I have seen, they really, really don't have any EPA standards in their in their uh, production. They don't. And so, whenever we look at Biden's administration rolling out new methane emissions rules for U.S. operators, well, all that does is hurt U.S. operators. Biden's EPA rules don't apply in Venezuela. They can pump fair game. In fact. Uh, you know, and I know, we've talked about this before. America's oil and gas workers produce oil and gas in the most environmentally conscious manner in the world. And people will continue to supply the world's demand from outside the U.S. And all these environmental regulations do is hurt smaller independent producers and cost a lot of Americans our jobs. And so while we're rolling out really jobs-killing environmental regulations here, Foreign countries with far less environmentally conscious standards are taking over America's global market share, our jobs, killing our economy, and threatening our national security. Yeah. I mean, threatening the national security, I think, just by itself should be something that uh, that we should worry about. The uh, That's true. You know, the impact on, on, on American oil workers, what has that been since Biden took over? Oh, just one constant slap in the face from this administration. It's, hey, on the campaign trail, we're going to transition away from your jobs. Day one, kill the Keystone XL uh, final leg of that permit. And then every action and inaction of this administration since day one has been to hurt American oil and gas workers while telling us that this administration wants us to pump more and we just don't understand why you don't use these 9,000 leases and a lot of people who don't understand uh, those 9,000 leases don't create uh, 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 production there are a lot more permits you need and they also don't guarantee production Um, and so this administration is actually engaged in disinformation and we feel feel like the redheaded stepchild who gets beaten and told we need to do more yeah well i mean you know the the whole the fact of the matter is that this uh, administration is very very pro green very uh environmentally conscious more than any other administration has ever and their favorite target has been the, the petroleum uh industry of course but really this administration needs to wear the badge of honor of being the least environmentally conscious <laughs> because all it does is kill american oil and gas production that's all their policies do i guarantee you venezuela down there that doesn't have an epa like you were talking about um would love to produce and Biden's EPA isn't going to do flyovers in Venezuela, but they're doing them in the Permian Basin, trying to shut down Permian Basin production. Wow. Yeah. 
Which reminds me, um, the uh, a couple of uh, about ten days ago, there was an, an earthquake that apparently was centered somewhere north of uh, Midland, and uh, immediately here in San Antonio, and I I didn't feel it. I mean, I you know, uh, it, it, it immediately the newspaper uh, here in San Antonio started talking about how fracking. Uh, is one of the uh, causes of uh, earthquakes. <laughs> Your thoughts? <laughs> you know, the Railroad Commission has looked at that, and uh, we know that it, it may to some extent have a bearing on that. Also, uh, let us not forget that this earth has been shifting for, I don't know, at least uh, 34 million years. Yes, at least. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure with the volcano going off in uh, Hawaii that we will be blamed for that, and our oil and gas jobs will somehow be responsible for that. Um, I remember whatever there was a, a high-rise building that collapsed in Florida, and I said immediately, I said, you watch, climate change will somehow be uh the be the cause of that and our oil and gas jobs will be to blame look george none of my pants fit this year wow they all apparently shrunk at the same time and i'm blaming climate change because that's just (laughs) what everybody jumps on well it's climate change climate change i'm fat well it's because of climate change in fact i read an article uh, a couple of months ago that said air pollution is making women fat. <laughs> Never mind the fact that they happen to eat, they don't exercise, they, you know, uh, none of these studies ever bring in all of the other factors. And that's like the studies that are are, are aimed at shutting down oil and gas production. Well, they take this data piece and this data piece and this data piece um, but they never bring into the fact that low birth rates sometimes are often attributable to the lack of prenatal care to the you know they they never mention that (laughs) it's just oil and gas is bad but what people don't understand and what you mentioned earlier is that some of these radical environmentalists here in the u.s just seem to believe that climate change or um, emissions or whatever, just stop at the the border. Yep. I mean, we know in this administration, nothing's stopping at the border. (laughs) Particularly at the border. Let me uh, ask you before I let you go, we've only got about a minute to go. Um, Let me ask you, uh, now that uh, the elections are over and we're getting ready for a new, uh, both Texas state legislature as well as a, a new Congress in Washington, um, what uh, what are your thoughts as far as the uh, oil and gas workers uh, in Texas and uh, in, in the country? Let me tell you that here in Texas, we have a great opportunity to really solidify the oil and gas industry. In fact, uh, Brooks Landgraf, state, rep- state representative uh, here in Odessa, has reintroduced the Texas Energy Independence Act, and that is a bold move to protect Texas oil and gas jobs from this weaponized Biden administration. Um, Also, we know that they are going to try to force non-attainment designation on the Permian Basin and uh, further hurt production here in the Permian Basin. I promise you that Governor Abbott, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, uh, Speaker of the House Dave Phelan, and every representative and every Texas senator across the state is working to pass legislation that will really secure our jobs. I know that Wayne Christian, Chris Craddock, uh, Jim Wright, that they are doing all they can at the Railroad Commission to protect and promote Texas oil and gas jobs in the most environmentally conscious manner. So you're 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 pretty optimistic then. I am good. That's you know, good. and uh, uh, Democrats who have largely been anti-oil and gas because that's what their misguided leaders told them uh, are really starting to wake up and go, hey, wait a minute. Um, Oil and gas jobs actually benefit every American. Wait a minute. We do want lower gas prices. We do want lower taxes. We do want lower grocery prices. We do want lower home heating costs. And more and more people are coming together, regardless of party affiliation. Democrats, Republicans, and independents are coming together to support USA oil and gas production because it benefits every American. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with our good buddy, Mr. Matt uh, Cody, the uh, president of the Texas Oil and Gas Workers Association. Matt, any closing thoughts before we let you go? 
Absolutely. George, always a pleasure to have you on. Everybody in this state needs to pay attention to what is happening in the Texas legislature. Really get behind the bills that protect and promote oil and gas jobs and really pay attention at the federal level to what this administration is doing to sell out our jobs to foreign countries with far less environmentally conscious standards. The time is now. You got it, buddy. I couldn't have said better. Thank you very much. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Thank you once again, my friends, for tuning into our program. I really, really appreciate your support. Uh, once again, if you want to listen to, the, to this program, you can go to the website and uh, to the KLUP website and uh, look for it and uh, you can listen to it or you can um, go to my Facebook page or my uh, Twitter page uh, as well as MeWe as well as the Getter page and uh, you can listen to the program there. The, um, uh, we, I always post it uh, online. Uh, on social media so that people can can listen to the show and uh, we try to to um, get it out there as far as and far as wide as possible because we do want everyone to hear about what is going on in our backyard uh, so many people across the country tell me constantly that um, their only source of uh, of hearing about um, what is going on firsthand at the, at the border is uh, from podcasts and my show and uh, it, it's really, it's really sad. It's a sad commentary on the mainstream media that they refuse to uh, tell the truth about what is going on at our border. I mean, it really, really is. So, my friends, thank you very, very much. Let me encourage everyone to please support the uh, to support El Conservador. Uh, you can uh, you you can subscribe to our program through uh, email. Uh, you can contact me through the station. Uh, and, uh, of course, we are always looking for speaking engagements. You can contact us again through social media or through the, uh, through the uh, uh, station and uh, invite me to come speak. Uh, I guarantee, my friends, we need to spread the word about what is happening at the border as well as the second phase of what is happening, what is going to be happening in your backyard with all of these illegal aliens, the impact on on education, on social services, on the economy, etc., etc. So, folks, once again, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope that you will join us next week. I hope that you will tell your friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 